I did Star Wars, it was the very beginning of my career, and I had a lot to learn. In fact, I knew very little. And so everything I did at that time was going down a new road to some extent. And just completing the film was a major goal and, and a source of a great deal of energy and stress as well. When it came time to work on Empire, uh, I felt based on the experience that I had had on Star Wars, the experience I had gotten, the feedback I had gotten, the, I had learned from, you know, you make mistakes and you look at the things that are wrong with one film and you say, well, now next time I'm going to learn to do better. Uh, we had very high expectations for Empire. And, uh, and so, stylistically, I wasn't attempting to do something really different, but I was attempting to do the same thing on a much grander scale. Uh, because I knew what I was up against. The film was filled with a lot more new things. It wasn't, I wasn't going to just take a library of material made from the first film and just copy it over and use it again. So Empire was just doing the same job on a grander scale with perhaps even higher expectations. Hello, Star Wars fans and Moof Milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 148 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And it's Gabe. And you know, later we are going to be talking about the sounds of the Empire Strikes Back. We just can't stay away from the Sounds of Star Wars book. Once we get through all the movies, we'll just do them all over again because the book's so good. We'll do them in reverse order. Then we'll get into a whole era of guess that sound. How well do you remember the sounds of Star Wars? I guess technically we are actually already are going in reverse order because we started with Jedi and now we're doing Empire. So I don't know what order we're doing. <laughs> we're going in Ben Burt order. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's one of the many parts that make Empire the movie that it is. But, you know, we were going into this episode thinking there wasn't going to be a whole lot of news. But just when you least expect it, <laughs> Bob Iger is on the phone blowing minds. I think he just jumped out of a bush. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Cassian Andor TV show. If you're really doing this, I want to help. I've been recruiting for the rebellion. Spies, assassins, saboteurs. 
Yeah, of course. My gloves. <laughs> I would never have guessed it, but now it makes perfect sense. And I, I don't know. I thought I was excited for The Mandalorian, and now I think I'm just as excited for Cassian. I was going crazy, and I, I was listening to the Bob Iger investors, Disney quarterly, whatever phone call live as it was going on. Cause I, I couldn't take it. I mean, it is some good stuff. I, he just nonchalantly drops bombs. And of course coming next year, a new TV show, Cassie and Andor. Think about that people. <laughs> this is all supposed to be coming out next year then, right? A release date for the series has not yet been announced it's gonna go into production next year but yeah we don't know when it's gonna come out okay maybe that's that's good it could be 2020 realistically give me some time to to breathe oh the more i keep thinking about it like i think i'm really looking forward to the i kind of the idea of star wars going crazy on tv maybe the movies will be more of a special thing Maybe we won't get a movie a year. I don't know. Maybe they'll get back to it. But it's like maybe because live action Star Wars is new and we haven't seen it before. But also, like we've said, I feel like with TV, there's less pressure and they can get crazier. Like just thinking about how crazy the animated shows are. I'm ready for TV Star Wars. It's the dream. It's the long standing dream. And they can bring in different directors with different points of view who can try new things with Star Wars that you couldn't do in a multi-million dollar super all eyes on a big screen star wars movie well and we've kind of been conditioned and you know a star wars movie is like two hours and 20 minutes give or take and it's like how much story can you fit in that and not completely melt people's brains but you know we're gonna get what 10 hours of a mandalorian show and at least probably that of a Cassian andor spy adventure show in the original trilogy or pre-original trilogy timeline. So is he going to have to reprogram some super battle droids to uh, play cards or something? Like what kind of nonsense is he going to do? You know, and that's like what you were saying at the beginning. It's like, it's the idea none of us ever would have thought of, but it just makes so much sense now that they've announced it. And like their little blurb, a rousing spy thriller will explore tales filled with espionage and daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in the grip of a ruthless empire. In the movie, Cassian, was he was a recruiter for the Rebellion. And when we first meet him on that planet, he's just kind of spying around. Well, what's crazy, too, is he makes a point of talking about how he's been fighting since he was a kid. Maybe they'll do flashbacks to Kid Cassian. You know, fighting at the end of the Clone Wars. Where were his parents? How did he end up with the Rebellion? Will we get like a little bit of live action of the times we saw like on Rebels of those days of the Rebellion where it was just, you know, the little splinter cells all throughout the galaxy? Are we going to see Saw Gerrera in two tubes? It was fun today to see everyone going nuts and like listing every character they could think of that could be on the show because it is such a exciting time to do a show. Because, yeah, you could you got people who are still alive from the prequels. You got people who haven't quite showed up in the original trilogy. You got all the crazy characters from Rogue One that could show up and Solo. It's like, it, I don't know. It's it's cool that there's a live action series in the between 
prequel and original trilogy time frame and now with the Mandalorian we get between the original trilogy and sequel trilogy timeline show that basically gives a lot of uh seems like there's a lot of leeway to do pretty much anything you can think of in either of those timelines well it's like we were saying last week if by the time this show comes out who knows what era the big screen star wars will be doing and they could be just charting like a whole new path and this Cassian show will definitely be very firmly rooted in the original trilogy, probably even more so than The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. People were talking about like Bail Organa, Mon Mothma. I mean, you'd have to think they're going to be on there. They could have young Leia. 3PO and uh, R2 can be there. I'm sure Anthony Daniels is ready to go. Like a young wedge, bootleg wedge. Biggs could show up. They could have like a dueling mustache episode or it's just Cassian decides to grow a mustache and Biggs' mustache. But then Merrick just shows up with lion mane, golden mustache pilot, and they both just decide that they're going to give up the mustaches. This show may have the most most mustaches of any Star Wars thing ever. <laughs> they got to have Merrick come back. We got to see more Blue Squadron. We got to have more Merrick. Yeah, why? Why not? Right. Someone's got to fly Cassian uh, places, maybe. The real question with the Cassian Andor show, it's so exciting. It's such a surprise. It's so amazing. It's Rogue One, the TV show. K2SO's got to be in it. But the real, real question that everyone is wondering about is... On what level and how will they explore his gloves? Yeah, of course. My gloves. <laughs> if the solo movie's any indication, we're going to get the entire backstory of his gloves, when he decided he needed gloves, who he saw that was wearing the gloves when he decided he needed those gloves, how he got those gloves. Is it going to be like Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, where he meets a really cool guy who's an older spy like during the Clone wars and he's got really great gloves the, that guy his gloves had an escape pod on the end of the fingers <laughs> bring on the gloves he puts them on cassian's hands you lost today kid but it doesn't mean you have to like it but you do have to like these gloves <laughs> never ever lose the gloves Maybe we find out that K2SO gave him the gloves, like as a Life Day gift. Here you go, Cassian, for when it gets cold. Yeah, yeah K2SO better be in it like, a lot. Maybe we'll finally get to see Sagarera's medical droid. I was thinking about that, though, and like they get Jin because they can't get close to Saw because they kind of imply that like if any of those like rebellion people even try and go see Saw, Saw's people will kill them. Well, maybe we'll see that in the show. I, you know, Forrest Whitaker would come back. He came back for Rebels. He'd come back live action. Maybe he wouldn't have a robot leg. I don't know. Maybe we'll get to see him riding his lizard bird. Cassian, come come here, Cassian. Let me see those gloves. Touch my bird. <laughs> have you met my bird? I think my bird wants to smell your glove. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kathy Kennedy, we're ready to write it. Also, I would... There wasn't like the big hoopla with the Cassian show of uh, who's the showrunner on this. There was no John Favreau, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, maybe they don't know yet. 
maybe they're they're trying it's like for the the mandalorian they're like we're gonna get all the directors and all those people and then we'll figure out cast and everything later and this one we're like well we're just gonna get diego luna and then we'll figure out everybody else i would love to see gareth edwards come back and at least do the pilot or the first episode no that would be awesome i would would like him to come back for any of the shows. But yeah, especially this one, it would be really cool. The whole thing just made me feel real warm and fuzzy too, because we love Rogue One a lot, a lot. Later, by the end of the year, we'll have a special episode about Rogue One where we'll go into this more. But I feel like Rogue One isn't talked about as much of how awesome it is. It's been kind of overshadowed recently by other Star Wars movies. But it's just good to see, like, the tension going back to Rogue One and just how freaking awesome that movie is. And just how, like, the announcement of this show just got everybody really excited again. Well, what's crazy, too, is everyone's so excited about all the random weird characters that could show up. I feel like no one's even thinking about the fact that we could get TV show live action Darth Vader, too. (laughs) And the Emperor. We could have Ian McDermott, Emperor, on a live-action TV show talking to Vader. And Krennic. And Tarkin. And Pago the Lesser. We'll get the scene from Catalyst where Krennic speaks Geonosian to Pago the Lesser. Just one whole episode where it's just Krennic and Pago the Lesser, and they have to go on like a tour of the Death Star together. And Pago the Lesser is just drooling on Krennic's like new cape. <laughs> yeah. This is the cafeteria, Poggle. And Poggle's like eating dead bugs, even though he's a giant bug. <laughs> well, you know, bugs eat bugs. The show could cross paths with some of the catalyst stuff with Galen Erso's figuring out the super weapon stuff. Like that would be the rebels knew that that kind of stuff was going on. So you would think. Kazian and his spy team would be the people who are finding that information. There could be rumors. And it's, I love that period of time too with the Rebel Alliance, where pre the events of Rogue One, where they're just kind of like, well, what can we do? Pre Battle of Scarif, just kind of scrappy and in hiding. Rebels characters could show up because this is going to be in overlapping back with Rebels time. Mm-hmm. Hera, Chopper, they're around. I don't know. It's too bad nobody likes Star Wars anymore. What a shame. (laughs) The destruction of the Death Star was a major victory for the Rebellion. But our battle isn't over yet. Darth Vader and the evil forces of the Emperor keep a stranglehold over the galaxy. But the Rebel Alliance must and will succeed in forever ridding the galaxy of their scourge. Even now, in our secret underground base on the ice planet Hoth, new strategies are being planned. See for yourself in The Empire Strikes Back. So June 1978, Ben Burt sent a memo to George Lucas outlining his projected expenses for what was going to be still, I think at that time, known as Star Wars 2. He was asking for $1,000 to build a 160-channel matrix switch bay, $5,000 for travel expenses, and he promised he would have this new sound room built up at what would eventually become Sprocket Systems. 
like we talked about in the Sounds of Return of the Jedi episode, up and ready to go by December 1st. So in pretty much six months, he was going to get everything up and going and ready to get started on the sequel to Star Wars, which after Star Wars, for everyone that was coming back for The Empire Strikes Back, the expectations were enormous. I had all the same characters, and they did different things. The Wookiee said new things. R2 had a, a large part to play. Um, we had all kinds of new vehicles and machine rating and uh, different, we only had, the first film had one kind of TIE fighter and the Empire had three different kinds and we had quite a range of spaceships to deal with so they all needed different and new sounds. So after Star Wars, Ben Burt worked on Alien and he worked on the fantastic uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, continuing to hone his skills as a sound designer sound mixer but like i said the empire was to be bigger in every way than star wars it was supposed to surpass star wars and especially in the sound because lucas looked at empire as being the savior of his story because he was still so so unhappy with everything didn't turn out the way i wanted it to yeah like this was their chance to do it right from the start since now they they figured out how to do effects they figured out the What's a Star Wars? What a Star Wars movie is, and Ben Burt figured out how to do the sound design for a Star Wars movie. So it was a chance to go bigger, but do it better. And he started to kind of build up his team a little bit more too, right? He had they hired a few more people to help out. Yeah, he had uh, Gary Sumner's, Randy Tom, Laurel Ledovich. And these are all people that too we were talking about were with them on um, Return of the Jedi too. It was an interesting situation they were in where Star Wars was the movie that basically broke all the rules in every way. And now that they broke the rules and they set a new tone and style for movie making, well, now what do you do? How do you continue to push it? How do you continue to break the rules? How do you top Star Wars? And for Ben Burt, it was an opportunity for him to fine tune a lot of sounds that he made for the first film that he didn't have the time to get right stuff like the motors inside C3PO or uh Millennium Falcon sounds and stuff like that. A lot of what was done on Star Wars was done in a kind of innocence. Uh those of us that worked on it were interested in fantasy or science fiction movies. We had no uh we did not anticipate the film would be generally popular. We thought maybe we'd please the science fiction fans that we knew and friends and this sort of thing. We didn't know it would become a sort of worldwide phenomenon. So when it came to doing Empire, we did feel, and I know I did, great pressure now that you had to succeed and do something on a much great, you know, much higher level in order to get the same effect. And so it's a great deal of creative pressure to just outdo ourselves. And so on Empire, we, would, we did a lot more field recording. We went out and recorded, tried to record something new and original for practically everything. And uh, a lot more time was spent uh, mixing in stereo. So September, October 1979, at the Sprocket Systems, the precursor to Skywalker Ranch, they're editing on the top floors of the building, empires coming together, and Ben Burt is doing sound in the basement. 
He had his studio now. He's better equipped, more organized. He had more experience. And if the editors had a question with something that they need, like we'll get to later when we start going through sound by sound, they just run downstairs and ask Ben Burt. And I, I wonder if this is kind of where he, kind of where it began, where we saw in uh, Return of the Jedi, where he was first starting to dabble in editing, which we, we talked about in that episode, where he gets much, much, much more into with the prequels. But it is still the the whole thing that I guess kind of starting with Empire, since Lucas was paying for it, it was like it's kind of an independent film. <laughs> and even though there were hundreds and hundreds of people working, the the like core group of people, at least in post production, were all kind of there in the same space, just figuring stuff out. So after Empire comes out, it wins Oscars for sound re recording, and Ben Burt's name was submitted by Lucasfilm and 20th Century Fox, but the Academy wouldn't admit him due to rules or something. So, like, a bunch of people won the Oscar for sound mixing, but Ben Burt didn't get anything for Empire, which is crazy. Yeah, because at the time they didn't recognize sound designer as a, as a thing. And the winner is... The winners are Bill Varney, Steve Maslow, Greg Langback, and Peter Stein for the Empire. It takes the creative talents of a lot of people to create a soundtrack of the likes of The Empire Strikes Back. So Steve and Greg and Peter and I must share these awards tonight with a a long list of people, which we will have to skip a few, of course. Particularly producers George Lucas and uh, Gary Kurtz, Irving Kirshner, the fabulous Ben Burt, who creates the terrific sound of the Empire. I can't imagine it being that big of a deal, but also I wonder if that somehow led into Return of the Jedi next, where he was like, well, I'm just going to do everything on every level of sound. Ben Burt's going to be Ben Burt and Ben Burt everything. His Ben Burtness. We'll see as we go through these sounds. There's a lot of uh, true Ben Burt moments of randomly doing something and like, oh, you know what? I better go record this. In J.W. Rinsler and Ben Burt's uh, amazing Sound of Star Wars book, which you, if you don't have it already, it's definitely one you got to find. We talked about it in the, the Return of the Jedi episode. Burt has a quote talking about Empire that I thought was really great. Says it's funny because people always say the Empire is their favorite Star Wars film. Yet at the time, it was not considered that. When you do a sequel, people's expectations are very high. They remember how they reacted to the first film. And Empire was paced different with a darker story and didn't have a complete resolution at the end. So when it came out, there was a lot of disappointment. It was a success, of course, and was respected. But people spoke less of it and said, well... It's okay, I guess, but it isn't quite what I was hoping for. Hmm. I wonder what that sounds like. Yeah, that never happens. <laughs> I can't imagine people saying that about a Star Wars movie. Hmm. And he goes on to say, given time, however, you look back 
at this middle act in a different context. You see the good performances. You're not bothered by the lack of resolution in the story because you know it's part of a greater story and you're not just measuring it up against the impact of the first film. Almost sounds familiar. Well, what do you say we get into this thing and go sound by sound? We've got 39 sounds of empire to cover. Let's start tearing through them. So the first one is the launch, the beginning of the movie, the launch of the probot. Always a good one. Gets you ready for what you're about to watch. Well, and that definitely gets you interested in what's going on because it's a very different beginning than uh, a new hope or it's kind of a quiet beginning like what's going on what are those things where are they going what are they going to do um and that goes right into the next sound which is the probot crash and rise blanket it's like a cozy warm blanket yeah. what, so what's what's the story with these uh with these probot or probe droid as uh as the kids say sounds well it sounds like now they were big time from star wars and actually get uh permission from the military to go record real rockets and missiles and machine guns and things um which that sounds like they use some of those for some of the crash and things but Again, Ben Burt, being Ben Burt for some of the droid sound, went back to some of the old sounds he created on his ARP keyboard during the sound design for A New Hope and mixed some of that in. There's a quote here in the book where he says, Now that I had the reputation for Star Wars, I was able to call up the Defense Department in the Pentagon and ask, Can I go record a survey of weapons from small to big in the U.S. Army inventory? Yeah. And they were like, Sure. Right? Because it sounds like, uh, where did he say? He went from... Fort Irwin in California, went to Fort Hood in Texas, and then to the White Sands Missile Range. Cross-country tour recording things exploding and shooting. Some of those probe droid launchings are tank-fired missiles recorded by Ben Burt. The probe droid levitating over the snow on Hoth was yeah recycled sounds for the torture droid coming in with its, its scissors and needle of death. But that's kind of the cool thing just with the whole idea of of sound design and the consistency between the movies it's like well there's droids that float and they kind of have a similar base to their sound and it just seems like oh yeah that makes sense it's a floating droid i heard that before (laughs) they make that sweet (laughs) i also like the thing in here that he added subwoofers to the sounds of the star destroyers just to give the star destroyers a little extra oomph because it's empire it's bigger it's badder we always remember so many Star Destroyers in A New Hope, and they're only there's just the two that chase. There's the one at the beginning, and then the two that chase Han way in the distance. And once Han goes into hyperspace, they aren't in the movie anymore. So, other than the opening shot, there's really not a lot of Star Destroyers in A New Hope. So, it makes sense. Like, Empire is all Star Destroyers. Better be some Star Destroyers in the Cassian show. Cassian's gonna surf on top of one. You're really doing this. I want to help. So 
next we get everyone's favorite lovable Tauntaun. Mm. So what do we actually hear in here for the Tauntaun? So it sounds like the Tauntaun was mostly a sea otter named Mota uh, from Seattle. He took the sea otter sounds and kind of pitched them down a little bit. There's a lot of animal sounds in Empire. I understand. I make makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, that leads right into the next one, the Wampa Scream. Oh, here we go. <laughs> so the Wampa was an elephant they recorded at the Oakland Zoo mixed with another sea lion. It sounds like they they were tight with the zoo and they would go down and record animals all the time. They were there once before recording camel sounds for the Wookiees in the holiday special. Yeah, I think that's my favorite tidbit from this section of the book is just how much of the sounds that ended up in Empire were actually originally recorded for the holiday special. And just the fact that Ben Burt was probably as much other than the cast members being on it, probably the only real Star Wars employee that did a lot of work for that. That's why Ben Burt is the master, because he's had his hands in the, the real Star Wars movies. The holiday special, quite heavily in droids. Yeah, he's the the blood of Star Wars. Lucas is the body, but Ben Burt's the blood. He pumps through it all. You could wake up Ben Burt in the middle of the night, throw a glass of water on his face, and say, who is Mungo Baobab? And he'd be able to tell you. Tell me, tell me everything you know about Manjupa. Well, all right, we'll get comfortable. Let me get out my files. Okay, so what do we have next? So next is the little Treadwell droid binocular robot who uh, was originally in the, what, deleted scenes in A New Hope, but fought on to uh, make his debut in uh, Empire. I always like that Han can understand that. I know, go check the other end. Hold on a minute. It's what happens when you're a scrum rat. Learn how to talk to droids. I don't know. Check it over there. <laughs> My Han Solo is only getting better and better. Uh, yeah, I think so. The, the older you get, the better it gets. It's like fine wine or fine cheese. <laughs> there wasn't enough Han talking to droids in the Solo movie. No, I don't think there's ever enough Han talking to droids. There wasn't enough Han talking to droids in Force Awakens either. Cassian TV show. You have a whole episode just Han getting annoyed by small, weird droids. What? Would you stop talking to me? <laughs> it's 4.30 in the morning. I'm trying to sleep. Okay, so what do we have next? So next we have some big doors closing. Doors must be closed. You can just hear... Chewbacca. So this is a really good story where this crazy sound came from. This is some this is some Ben Burt magic. Yeah. Well, what's funny is this is, I think, isn't this almost the same story that ended up with Jabba's door where they're always like, we got a big door. Let's go record the biggest door we can find. And uh, what they went to NASA base in south of San Francisco to record an old Zeppelin hangar. It was 100 feet high and it hardly made any sound. Ben Burt sent Randy Tom to record some ticking clocks at a store. Go, go to that store and record some ticking clocks. Get, get, get out of my face. But it turned out the doors in a display case 
some glass doors would they open to get to the clocks just made a beautiful rolling door sound and they recorded that and that was the basis for the uh hangar doors see ben burt at this time he could just send people out to record ticking clocks and discover display cases at antique stores and stuff he's like i can just relax on this one well he was busy probably trying to cut together all the zoo animals for the holiday special because <laughs> he had 20 minutes of wookie dialogue to do <laughs> well and that brings us to our next sound right the Chewbacca Howl. Yeah, so it says here, before getting into Empire, Bert had already spent a number of months. <laughs> we don't, let's not get specific. Yeah, but more than one month <laughs> of his life expanding the Wookiee collection for Itchy, Mala, and Lumpy, the new Wookiee characters from a holiday special. So they recorded bears, lions, cougars. They were out in a big, quiet farm so they could get a lot of clear sounds. He says he spent three or four days taping every animal they had, including grizzly bears. Chewbacca's howl was probably a bear. See, now that just makes me want to go back to the holiday special, which I always pretty much do. But we're, we're coming on to the season of the holiday special. Watch the Wookiee part again and listen for Wookiee sounds that maybe still could be used to this day that had their origin in the holiday special yeah that would be a good uh a good project how many holiday special wookie sounds you can rec- recognize if any of them end up in empire <laughs> that's how i'm gonna that's how i would like to spend this thanksgiving to say this next one kind of fits with with thanksgiving it's uh han cutting open the tauntaun which if you have this book you can play that sound while you carve the turkey weird scene i remember like i remember being a kid and watching empire and that part kind of always being like ew well what's interesting is it's pretty much the luke drinking the green milk is the equivalent of this scene for last jedi i think there's the storm there's wandering around in the storm there's just a a quick little gross out scene and in this one it's yeah intestines and guts oozing out of a tauntaun and in last jedi it's some fresh fresh milk <laughs> and it's all like milky color too because when they cut open the tauntaun i always thought as a kid it looked like like macaroni and milk yeah it is it's it is weird how like as much crazy stuff there is in star wars that gets burned into your brain those guts coming out are like way at the top of the images burned into my brain so what are we hearing here with uh tauntaun guts so this was he says a mixture of two sounds the first was liquid nitrogen being poured which Ben was able to get from his father, who was a chemistry professor. So it sounds like he would go harass him from time to time to get chemicals and things that he could record. It says in here, he'd go ask him, do you have any good sound in your lab today? That was part of it. Uh, And the other part was the road leading to Skywalker Ranch, which was very muddy. So they took a shovel and says Steve Starkey just stuck it in the ground and started sloshing mud around and they recorded it which i think at this time skywalker ranch was still just like a chicken farm or something it, they hadn't even started building yet yeah right it would have just been a, a a farm farm or a ranch ranch i just like this because there's i don't recommend this but it, on youtube there's a whole thing of videos of people in boots getting their feet stuck in the mud apparently it's a thing people are into and there's just like videos and videos of 
just people moving their feet around in mud and it makes squishy sounds. I did not know that, but somehow I'm not surprised. Somehow I stumbled across that for work. So we'll leave it at that. So what do we have next? I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I love that they included that. It's not really a sound effect, but it's a classic sound of The Empire Strikes Back. If you only know one line to quote, that's the one you do. Because it's so good. And nobody, when they quotes that line, can just be like, hey, you know what my favorite line from Empire is? I thought they smelled bad on the outside. You got to do it. You got to. <laughs> to see who can pause the longest before the outside. <laughs> on the outside. <laughs> Falling off a snowdrift. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have next? Uh, so next, uh, Chewy laughing. <laughs> Got some classics, some classics in there. Followed by laugh it up, fuzzball. It is a little weird what they just randomly throw in here. But then th- that kind of goes into the next one because they got laugh it up, fuzzball. In our next one, probot transmission. Now let's listen to that and let's see if we can figure out what's missing. I mean, that's cool and all, but where's... I mean, that's one of my favorite sounds ever of anything. That's a classic Star Wars sound. And what's weird is they even talk about how that was created in the book, but that sound's not in it. They're saying how the alarm signal was the voice of a well-known Shakespearean actor. Totally transformed electronically. Ben Burt says, I don't like to use sounds from other sources, but on occasions like this, I like to throw fun things in. I don't think anyone could figure out who it is originally. Yeah, so number one, what famous Shakespearean actor is doing the... And because they figured out who it was, is that why it's not in the book? Maybe. (laughs) Like, take me out of that book? Dear sirs, I realize that I am the voice <laughs> of the probot <laughs> without permission. No, thank you. I would, I've been thinking about that incessantly, and I, I have no idea who that would be. The only thing I can think of is 70s, Sir Lawrence Olivier. Maybe that's the only person I can think of. I mean, but what if it's Alec Guinness? Was Alec Guinness a Shakespearean actor? I don't know. Aren't they all? All right. What's our what's our next one? So next is the probot alarm and explosion. That's some good stuff. Yeah. So this one was interesting that one of the big elements of the explosion is a big sheet of plywood that they snapped out in the back of the building. 
you hear this thing exploding and it's a piece of wood getting broken in half, basically, to give it that crack, uh, which apparently they call it the wood crack attack explosion. That was the name of my first album, by the way. <laughs> You're a bluegrass fan. So now we're getting into the Battle of Hoth, a smorgasbord of sounds, all very hothy. Maybe the coolest part of the movie? I would argue this first sound is one of the coolest parts of the whole movie, too. It might be. Let's hear it. Ooh, the Ion Cannon. It's not the same without our first catch of the day. Good. Our first catch of the day. And then the first transport is away. Hey. Where are those sounds on here? Come on. I would trade Laugh It Up Fuzzball for uh, either of those. Feeling all right, sir? Just like new Dak. I could, I could be here all night. What, what do we have next? The uh, the attic walk cycle. <laughs> pretty iconic sound so with this ben burt sent randy tom out to uh basically told him to look through the phone book find all the metal fabricators metalworking companies and call them up and ask them if you can come record their machines which apparently uh people couldn't understand why you would care seems like it was easy to do then because they're like why would you want to do that but he went out recorded all these different sounds and uh they found a place that had metal shears that were giant machines that cut sheet metal into segments. Um, and that was kind of the basis of the walkers marching sound that Ben kind of edited into a little walk cycle loop and mixed in some uh, bicycle chains being dropped on concrete. As you do. I wonder if any of that got reused for the uh, droid factory on Geonosis too. Yeah. I don't know. I would think that they, yeah, they would have the library of that stuff. A fun part with this, though, is another pure Ben Burt moment. He says he went out one morning to get the newspaper, and he opened the lid on a dumpster, uh, and the squeaky lid made a good sound that I recorded, and it became another key element of the walkers. You're never not at work when you're Ben Burt. The walkers were a lot of fun to work on because they were big mechanical beasts. And it was a pleasure sometimes to work on just big machinery rather than just voices. And we knew the walkers were big and they were heavy and they were lumbering about. And because they were animated, they had a certain rhythmic walk to them. And so the objective was to come up with a sound for the walkers to give them a real sense of mass and weight. After all, they were miniatures and they were being animated. And one of the things about one of the drawbacks of animation uh, is that it's hard to produce a sense of mass in an object. You know, if you want something to seem like it's many tons or the size of a building, it's, it, it takes particularly good animation in order to create that sense of weight. But you can help that along with proper sound. All right, next we got the speeder flybys. <laughs> That's another unforgettable sound burned into my brain. So this was really cool. So the snow speeders, some of their sound, uh, which actually we'll get into more. There's another snow speeder sound later. But basically it sounds like similar to Luke's land speeder, 
they got some of the sounds from recording the sound of traffic on the L.A. freeway through a vacuum cleaner pipe. As you do, <laughs> naturally. But first, we have the tow cable hit and swish. Wedge in the Battle of Hoth never even breaks a sweat. I don't think he even blinks. He's probably just really cold. It's like he was doing like a crossword puzzle or like Sudoku or something while he's in the Battle of Hoth. He's just like, oh, yeah. Well, you want me to take down that walker? I got it. With the speeders, he's only got to think in two directions. He doesn't have to worry about people coming from below him, like when you're in space. So he's just taking it easy. Wedge has eyes everywhere, though. He's like a cat. He can sense it all, all around him. He's got invisible pilot whiskers that come out of his face. All right, so what do we have next? <laughs> next is more snow speeders, the snow speeder attack. Sweet sound and vacuum cleaner pipe. Hearing that makes me think of every single Star Wars video game where you play the Battle Hoth. And add that shooting at you always with that sound. Do like they're mentioning here that the wind sounds on Hoth are actually recordings of the ocean that they fade in and out. We were talking about episodes back with the sound the Star Wars sound machines. Give me Hoth wind sound machine to go to sleep by. Alright, next we have the Adat cannons. <laughs> And then this one has a far crazier story than you would think. The cannons and the little squeaking laser sound came from an old biplane motor kicking in after being cracked up to a very high rate. And this effect was later used for what it really was, Jock's biplane from Raiders. And the little inertia, the starter of the biplane, the moment it kicks, the moment it kicks in, makes a sharp and sudden drop in pitch, a very laser-like sound. It took that tiny piece and it became the basis for all the Walker lasers, Ben Burt says. So who knew that the Walker lasers and cannons were related to Jock's biplane from Raiders? Okay, so what's next? More lasers, the snow speeder lasers. lasers. And those are kind of a mystery. There's not much uh, information on those. Maybe they're real snow speeder lasers. And next we got the ADAT crushes a snow speeder. Like a, a beautiful symphony. 
hold on, let me put on some romantic music to get in the mood. It is date night. Light a candle, get out the wine, push play on the CD player. Happy anniversary. So what do we have next? Listen to a little Ad At Crush's Snowspeeder. Adat Falls. Yeah, which I think the best part of that sound is the, the snow speeder at the beginning just going. Hoo that got him. All right, now we're getting into to the dark side here. Darth Vader's chamber. So multiple sounds were used for Vader's meditation chamber. A bunch of the sounds they recorded earlier from an aircraft carrier were used in a lot of the mechanisms and empires, including this chamber. So they used a little bit of the metal shearing machines and then also aircraft carrier sounds. Yeah, something with with a, a generator at an Air Force radar station, right? Mm-hmm. So there was that mixed with the aircraft carrier mixed with metal shears. This next one is really exciting. Emperor Hologram Ambiance. Ooh. It's another uh, romantic slow jam. That's what I want to go to sleep to every night. Just that on loop. The, the Star Wars sound machine. It's a picture of Ben Burt. Like smiling, and underneath it, there's like 20 buttons. Go to sleep the Star Wars way. The only way. So what do we have next? Oh, we're getting to the good stuff here. Minox. <laughs> it's a wild sound, and it's a wild process to get it. They recorded horses, and this is the whinny of a horse played backwards. I think mixed with the whinny of a horse going forward but both of them at half speed mixed in with a seal. <laughs> it's the magic of Ben Burt. Which Ben Burt says he had that written in his notebook. Eat his uh, wife's mac and cheese at home and he's got, I gotta go right in my notebook. I just thought of a crazy idea. Uh, where's that notebook today? Like, can it be at the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art? I hope so. It needs to be at the Ben Burt Museum of Nonstop Awesomeness. <laughs> get that built <laughs> there could be a restaurant mrs burt's homemade mac and cheese every other tuesday ben burt shows up we can just be like so how many months did you spend on the holiday special he just shows up and with a tape recorder and plays like one sound live like ben burt the concert tour just playing tapes he should be a dj he just plays all his tapes celebration chicago we're calling you get ben burt on the stage with some tapes Friday Night Jams with Ben B. Okay, so what do we have next? Punch it! <laughs> okay. They put punch it in here to just give you a moment to relax. Because this next sound, if you're on the fence about buying this book, this is the sound. This is, It's all worth it just for this sound. It's Bosk. <laughs> I could listen to that over and over again. I have listened to that over and over again. 
Sometimes you just got to get your headphones out, get your sounds of Star Wars book, and just listen to the Bosk sound a few times. Let's play it again. So this is the this was the one you were talking about earlier, right? Where because they were all in the same building, right? Paul Hirsch needed a sound, and he just called up Ben. Hey, can you just give me a, a temp sound for this scene? Is this just Ben Burt just raw, just a microphone? Like, hey Ben, I need something for this lizard man in a yellow spacesuit. And Bert's like, gotcha. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, you can hear there's some other animal sound maybe mixed in there, but I get the impression that this is just Ben Burt getting wild on a microphone. Maybe slowed down or played backwards, but I don't know. This that one blew my mind when I got this book. If there was a like a TV commercial for the Sounds of Star Wars book, it could just be a guy coming out and be like, I don't need to sell this book to you. I'm just going to press one button. Raw, Bosk, Rosk. Okay, so what do we have next? Dagobah Swamp Ambiance, which is my favorite aftershave. I mean, this kind of goes back to like what we were saying in the beginning. This is something he didn't really get to do in A New Hope, where he could create the ambient sound for an entire world to sell the vastness of a world. Like, if you imagine the Dagobah scenes without those weird creature and birds and like bubbling water sounds or whatever we're hearing, it might just look like the set on Elstree where they filmed it. Right, yeah, it's... The fact that you're completely absorbed with the sound and the visuals and the fact that just hearing the sound, like you can see the you can see Dagobah in your mind because it's all intertwined so well. It really sells that there's a lot more of Dagobah beyond the screen that you're seeing, that we're hearing sounds from all over this swamp. I don't know. It's great. And that's a perfect one for the Star Wars sound machine that we're going to, that we've already mentioned 20 times and just need <laughs> to happen. Especially too, because this is, it sounds like he says he started recording birds at the zoo, slowed that down, but then mixed it with some raccoons that for some reason were in a bathtub so they wouldn't run away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm okay. Yeah. Whew, that was a close one, but I, I made it. It sounds like those Return of the Jedi after parties from uh, the Kirk Thatcher episode. I, I think Kirk Thatcher might have been there for some of those raccoons in the bathtub. I don't know. Woke up in a bathtub and there were raccoons everywhere. <laughs> All right, what's what's next? So sticking with Dagobah, here's some Dagobah bird sounds. <laughs> Do you think at Galaxy's Edge? There's just going to be as you're walking around like random creature sounds, even just being piped out, like just to create like that you're in some weird Star Wars world. You know, that's what they should have Ben Bird doing. If he's really just sitting in an office somewhere with nothing to do, they should just have him making all the ambient sounds for Galaxy's Edge. Because, yeah, that would be as crazy as it sounds like it's going to be if they just have speakers everywhere playing like alien planet ambient sounds. Oh, man. 
to make you think that some weird alien creature bird is flying overhead, even though it's really not. That's Star Wars. Yeah, I really, I don't know. I really hope they do that. Like when you're waiting in line and stuff, right? Don't they, for some kind of rides, they'll have like ambient sound effects and things, right? So. Oh, yeah. I mean, even when you're waiting in line for Star Tours. Attention, please. Star Tours Flight 1119, nonstop service to Endor, is now ready for boarding at gate number one. All passengers, please proceed to the boarding area immediately. All right. So what's next? The Yoda. Do. Or do not. There is no try. <laughs> Never really thought about that Yoda's Yoda's delivery is kind of close to Han's. I thought they smelled bad. But on the outside, do or do not. There is no try. Oh, this next one is great. This is Ben Burt calling up 1-800-HARDCORE and 1-800-TRUE-FAN at the same time here. So for the blaster pulled into Vader's hand, which I don't think I ever even really noticed the sound because the visual is so cool. It's him recreating the uh, Errol Flynn Adventures of Robin Hood arrows flying through the air sound. And to do it, they did it the old fashioned way and they built arrows with turkey feathers on the end and sculpted them into a special shape. So they vibrate and they create that sound. So they went and shot arrows that they built to get that perfect Errol Flynn arrow sound for a blaster flying across the room. <laughs> I'm sure he had it just perfect, too. He had to tell the raccoons in the bathtub to be quiet. Got to make those perfect Errol Flynn Adventures of Robin Hood arrows for the two seconds, maybe, of Hansel's blaster flying across the dinner table. That's why he's the best. I hope they had pizza at that dinner thing or a slushie for Vader. Don't we, don't we find out in the comics? Aren't there is a comic where they, they show the dinner? Isn't that the big thing? I, I mean, think so. I'm sure. I'm sure Chewie Chewy ate all of it. <laughs> Chewbacca was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, Han, you you guys aren't hungry? That's cool. I'll eat it. You going to finish that spring roll? Okay, I'll take it. This next one is one of my favorites. And it also involves raccoons in the bathtub. Ugnaughts talking and laughing. Like poetry <laughs> that's the shakespeare i wouldn't be surprised if that that's also a shakespearean actor but no it's not so what's the deal with the ugnaughts talking and laughing i believe it's arctic fox pups with their mother mixed with the raccoons in the bathtub oh i'm, I'm imagining it was so difficult to get raccoons to stay in the bathtub that he wanted to use those sounds as much as possible. <laughs> I hope when that was going on, it was like at Sprocket Systems, like if they had a bathroom uh, in the building and George Lucas showed up to check on the progress. What's that sound? Somebody's like, oh, don't worry, George, that's the raccoons in the bathtub for Ben Burt. He's doing some wild stuff. I was going to take a bath later. <laughs> I brought my bottle of Mr. Bubble. <laughs> that was the real reason he decided to do Skywalker Ranch. Because there are always raccoons in the bathroom at uh, Sprocket. Don't worry, Ben. I gave you your own special bathroom. <laughs> you can do your weird stuff on your own time. All right. Next is uh, Boba Fett's blaster. It's cool. So it started with the kind of standard 
hitting the metal wire that they use for the other blasters. But the other main element, it says, came from raw production audio from the movie. Basically, in the scene where Vader and Luke meet in the reactor room, and they break the the big wind. Basically, Luke gets sucked out of the window because Vader breaks it with the Force. They used a air cannon. The sound of the air cannon on set for that scene, he edited out of the just raw production audio and mixed that in to Boba Fett's blaster sound. Well, that makes me think, too, of Return of the Jedi, where Bert was on set recording stuff all over the place, like the motors inside Jabba and all that stuff. Get those natural sounds of a Star Wars movie set. So up next is Boba Fett's Spurs. Which that one's cool. It sounds like as Bob Rutledge did it as an in-joke, being like, oh, Boba Fett's like this man with no name, cowboy bounty hunter. Let's give him spurs. And I don't know if they ever even intended it to stay in the final mix of the movie. You may, well, I mean, they mixed it pretty low, so maybe. I don't know. I always hear it, though, especially when he comes out in, in the dinner scene. We would be honored if you would join us. It's like our mono mix episode. Who knows? When it came out, it could have been originally low, and then as the whole Boba Fett thing grew over time, they may have cranked it up. Right. Or they went back and did the multi channel mixes for DVD and Blu ray. They cranked it up for special editions. So, what do we have next? So, next, sticking with Boba, we have the Slave One Blast Off. Pretty cool. This one is like a combination of sounds, right? Trumpets whine combined with a Doppler pass by of the horn from Burt's 1971 Dodge Duster. Only the best sounds. That Dodge Duster that should be in the Burt Museum. I wonder if he still has it. It's one of his tools. So what do we have next? Father versus son lightsaber duel, which is a spoiler if you haven't seen Empire. it's like you don't even need the visuals of the movie you can see exactly what's going on listening to that i like reading too that he added a little bit of extra hiss to vader's sword sound for when he turns it on yeah like we talked about, I think, in our Sound of Return of the Jedi episode, this is kind of Empire's Ben Burt score moment. The original films and the prequel films had the moment where the music drops out and it's just nothing but a symphony of Ben Burt sounds. In the beginning of the father versus son lightsaber duel, that's what it is. That's music you're listening to right there. Yeah, you can close your eyes and the whole scene still works. And it's him expanding on the lightsaber sounds he did for A New Hope, like in a huge way. The lightsabers are one of my favorite sounds, and in fact, it was the very first sound I made for the whole series. For some reason, after I read the script, even though my assignment was first to find a voice for Chewbacca and then a voice for R2, and then, uh, well, maybe come up with some sounds for laser guns and other things, the lightsaber fascinated me. At that time, um, 
when the script had first come out, uh, they had some paintings that Ralph McQuarrie had done so that there were some concepts visually of what some of these things would look like. And those pictures were very inspiring because they gave a, an idea of the direction we were trying to go in the look of the film. And it was inspiring to me to therefore think up sounds that might fit that kind of visual style. I could kind of hear the sound in my head of the lightsabers, even though it was just a painting of a lightsaber. I could really just sort of hear the sound. I think maybe somewhere in my subconscious I had uh, seen a lightsaber before. I still, I think I'm still partial to the lightsaber fight in Return of the Jedi as my favorite, and I also really like the Force Awakens lightsaber fight, but I don't know. Empire One's pretty darn, pretty darn good. It might have the best starting. I don't know. I mean, Episode Nine. I feel like it's got to have a lightsaber confrontation between Kylo Ren and Rey once again. And that's, and that's going to be a show. Get out the lawn chairs. Bring a cooler. Revenge of the Sith, but maybe with more kissing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope so. Next. What's next? A little bit of Luke. That's not true. That's impossible. That's again, yeah, that's like it's thought they smelled bad on the outside. That's That's some classic... Empire sound right there. The rhythm of empire. So next is the hyperdrive failure. Well, and this is one that's a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But one of the things is uh, our old friend, the biplane starter. That's just my pet snake, Reggie. Come on, show a little backbone, will ya? There's a motor of a tank turret in there, right? Hiss of an air jet from a dentist's office. It's like it's like we're uh, casting a spell. We're stirring our pot. The eye of the of a newt and the hiss of an air jet from a dentist's office. <laughs> the beak of a great bird <laughs> the spoon that they ate the yogurt with mm. ben bird says he's a sorcerer sorcerer of sound oh the hyperdrive failure and then for our final sound of the empire strikes back they really end it on a real high note save the best for last mm-hmm. it's not my fault <laughs> we just that little bit of chewy <laughs> well so that's the sounds of the empire strikes back bigger bolder crazier expanding on what they did with star wars and the only way you can do that is with a bathtub full of raccoons empire was kind of the beginning of the real star wars audio process everything they figured out and tricks in the original film were now perfected in empire and kind of carried on into jedi and the prequels and force awakens and everything like the star wars soundscape was kind of set in stone of what it was and what it could be said it a million times and we'll keep saying it sound of star wars is one of the best books you can own if you like sounds and you like star wars there's nothing better find it buy it borrow it i I can't get enough and i'm sure you'll hear more of it from us in the future as we work our way backwards through time (laughs) (laughs) not to hint but i think our our next one we're going to be jumping forward in time again so people can place their bets in las vegas on what the next sounds of star wars episode will be but is it forward in time or is it even farther backward in time oh good question good question what could it be is or is it just all about that boss could be 
best things that ever happened is about to happen again. The Empire Strikes Back. Han Solo is back. <laughs> Fuzzball. Princess Leia is back. I just assumed as a Wookiee. I can arrange that. Yoda's back. In fact, the whole gang is back. Join me. The Empire Strikes Back for a special limited engagement. Rated PG. Wait, me. Now playing at a theater near you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. All right, so we say it every single week iTunes reviews when you're done listening if you listen on something Apple head over to iTunes Apple podcast whatever it is write a little something and we will read your review in an upcoming show I know we're behind we got like three maybe even four to read that we will be getting to I promise but you can add yours to the list and write something new on there and after that, check out BlastPointsPodcast.com for recipes, resistance reviews. Darthfield maybe will come back someday. We don't know. I hope so. <laughs> he's, he's lost in space <laughs> somewhere. And check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and make sure you sign up for the Blast Points Super Chill Group, where Blast Points never stops blasting points. Always good stuff. Every day being posted by super fans photos discussions pictures of people's collections ewok costume kits who knows just the craziest stuff going on there it's and feel free to send us an email at contact at blastpointspodcast.com if you've got some questions i know we are behind on reading emails too we're gonna get to them it's just always these things get out of hand we start talking about boss sounds and tauntaun guts and well and somebody call bob Iger and tell him to chill out so we can get caught up on stuff because we had a great year Somebody emailed me and told me to chill out so that podcast Blast Points can read some emails. <laughs> and that about wraps up number 148. A heads up, there is not going to be an episode next week, the week of Thanksgiving. Sorry, everybody. If you really have to, go back and listen to some old episodes. <laughs> the Ewok read-along book record episode is a great one. Christmas in the Stars is a great one. Star Wars ABCs with superstars with Zilnor, if you missed out that one. Go back and listen to uh, Beyond Jizrock again. That was a great one. But yeah, we are going to take the week off for Thanksgiving, uh, and hopefully everyone can take the week off. Spend some time with your family, because in 2019, Star Wars will be your family, because there's going to be a lot going on. So we're going to rest while we can, get our bodies ready for the new year and uh, slice open some turkeys so the guts can <laughs> ooze out. But Tuesday, November 27th, we will be back with another all new episode that you can look forward to. So thanks everybody for listening. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. 
I don't even remember what we were talking about. Are we done with Kazian now? Wow. <laughs>